Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Texas says no. Good morning. I'm Jennifer Kashenka in for Gordon Deal along with Dom Savino on this Tuesday, December 12th. Here's what we have for you this hour. The Texas woman who sought court permission for an abortion left the state to get the procedure. Prospects dim on a deal to unlock Ukraine aid before the end of the year. Special counsel Jack Smith has asked the Supreme Court to rule quickly on Donald Trump's claim of immunity from federal prosecution. And with only a couple of weeks left in 2023, Congress is staring down a hefty to-do list. That bipartisan Senate group has not come to any consensus that is We're talking about immigration reform and border security, matters that have bedeviled lawmakers for years. They've been struggled, you know, maybe Zelensky's visit this week could give those negotiations a shot in the arm and a potential opportunity to, 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 to find the consensus and, you know, a game plan to unlock aid for Ukraine. Michael Schnell of The Hill will be here in about 10 minutes with that story. A pregnant Texas woman locked in a legal battle over aborting a fetus with a fatal abnormality decided to travel elsewhere for the procedure, a move announced hours before the Texas Supreme Court ruled against her bid for an in-state abortion. More from this morning's Dave Duncan. The case appeared to be the first since the overturning of Roe vs. Wade to test whether a pregnant litigant could use the courts to secure an abortion in a state that outlawed the procedure with only an exception for certain medical emergencies. 31-year-old Kate Cox, a mother of two who was 20 weeks pregnant when she filed the case, argued that she should qualify under medical exceptions to the state's abortion laws because continuing the pregnancy would affect her health and fertility. A trial judge last week issued an order allowing Cox to obtain the procedure, but the state's Supreme Court on Friday put a temporary hold on that ruling. Then late yesterday, the high court ruled Cox's doctor hadn't adequately attested that Cox's condition met the state's exception. Jen? Thanks, Dave. Since the Supreme Court eliminated the constitutional right to an abortion in June of 2022, pregnant women have been much more likely to leave states in which abortion is banned to get the procedure elsewhere than remain and fight a legal battle that can take days or weeks. Cox's legal roller coaster highlights the hurdles to bringing such a challenge. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky pleaded for additional U.S. military aid in a speech in Washington yesterday, part of an 11th-hour effort to secure funding before the U.S. runs out of money to assist Ukraine's war effort. Ukraines haven't given up and won't give up. We know what to do, and you can count on Ukraine, and we hope just as much to be able to count on you. Zelensky argued that Russia's dreams come true when they see delays or some scandals on Capitol Hill because it means Ukraine has to wait longer for U.S. assistance. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin introduced Zelensky before his speech. We are determined to deter Russia from any further aggression, including against our NATO allies. And we are determined to show the world that America will not flinch in our defense of freedom. The Senate has been divided over the package, first requested by President Biden, which would also include aid to Israel. Republicans insist provisions on U.S. border security be wrapped in, but negotiations with Democrats have not led to an agreement. The Ukrainian president is scheduled to visit the White House today to meet with Biden about additional U.S. military aid. 
Special Counsel Jack Smith has asked the Supreme Court to take up Donald Trump's claim he is immune from prosecution and can't face criminal charges related to efforts to overturn the November 2020 election, an unusual effort to expedite a judgment crucial for moving the case speedily toward trial. Hours later, the Supreme Court agreed to fast-track its consideration of whether to hear the case, suggesting a decision could come within weeks on whether the former president's trial will begin as scheduled in March. The high court directed Trump's lawyers to respond by December 20th to Smith's petition to hear the case. The special counsel's move came 10 days after the trial judge presided over Trump's case declined his bid to toss the criminal election interference charges, rejecting arguments he's immune from prosecution. Meanwhile, while federal investigators have gained access to White House cell phone records, including a phone used by Trump, and could use that information as evidence in the 2020 election trial. In a court filing, Smith says a technical witness has extracted and processed data from the White House cell phones used by Trump on January 6th. Prosecutors have charged Trump with four criminal counts. Hey everyone, it's Gordon Deal here to talk about some of the most fun you can have if you love sports, and that's with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You pick more than or less than on a handful of player projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, mix and match football and basketball. Maybe your entry is Christian McCaffrey for more than 99 yards rushing and Jason Tatum for fewer than eight rebounds. If you know your stuff, you can turn 10 bucks into $250 with just a few taps. My friends and I love it. To get started and have your first deposit matched up to $100, go to prizepicks.com deal and use code deal. Also, if a player you pick gets injured and leaves the game, PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Your player is rebooted. prizepicks.com deal and use the code deal. That's prizepicks.com deal and the code deal. Again, prizepicks.com deal and code deal. Jennifer Koshenka in for Gordon Deal, along with Dom Savino. Well, Congress is staring down a hefty to-do list as it heads into the final legislative week of 2023, sparking a last-ditch effort in both chambers to complete must-pass legislation and check various priorities off of party agendas. Toward the top of that list for the Senate is striking a deal on border security and sending more aid to Ukraine. A preview from Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. Michael, start with sending aid to Ukraine. Lawmakers in both parties and both chambers have said they want to send more aid to Ukraine, specifically before, you know, lawmakers leave for, for this Christmas recess. Uh, but it has they've had trouble doing that. There's a growing contingent of Republicans in both chambers who have become apprehensive to sending more aid to Ukraine, arguing that no more U.S. dollars should go to Kiev. Uh, and, and, you know, some Republicans are saying that, well, if you want to send more aid to Ukraine, we need to have substantive policy reforms on the border. We need to have border security provisions in place. Uh, so that's where we are right now. Now we have, there's a bipartisan group in the Senate that has been working for weeks on immigration reform, on border security provisions, trying to come to some sort of consensus to then unlock that aid for Ukraine. That bipartisan Senate group has not come to any consensus. It is, we're talking about immigration reform and border security, matters that have bedeviled lawmakers for years. They've been struggled, you know, maybe Zelensky's visit this week could give those negotiations a shot in the arm and a potential opportunity to, 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 to find the consensus and, you know, a game plan to unlock aid for Ukraine. But as of now, I mean, they, lawmakers have really struggled in this area. The opportunity seems to be there. President Biden has said he's open to listening. President Biden has said he's open to policy changes on the border. He's, he's open to compromise on the border. 
Uh, but look, again, this just gets me back to the point I was making before. This is immigration reform and border security, very partisan, politically charged matters uh, that uh, Republicans want to make substantive changes on the border. Democrats don't want to give too much of the farm away. So it's sort of finding that happy middle where both sides can say that they won the negotiation and got something for their own side. It's extremely difficult when you're talking about this politically charged issue like border security. We're speaking with Michael Schnell of The Hill. Michael, what about the Biden impeachment inquiry? We're going to see a vote on bolstering this uh, impeachment inquiry this week. If you remember back in September, then Speaker Kevin McCarthy unanimously declared that the impeachment inquiry had been opened, directing the chairman of the Judiciary Oversight and Ways and Means Committee to continue their investigations. But now the investigation, the inquiry rather, is heading into a more combative phase where these Republican lawmakers are looking to land big name witnesses. They're sending out really, you know, subpoenas to high profile witnesses. And the White House has pushed back on uh, on their probe a number of times saying, well, this is an illegitimate inquiry. It hasn't been it hasn't been authorized by a formal vote. So now, again, as we head into this next phase of the inquiry, Speaker Mike Johnson has made the decision that a vote needs to be held to bolster this impeachment inquiry, to, you know, to, to, to give it that legitimacy through a formal House vote. We're going to see that happen this week. Unclear right now what the day of that vote will be. Uh, there's going to be a markup for that uh, impeachment resolution on Tuesday. It can come to the floor any time after that. It'll be an interesting vote. Right now, it looks like some moderate Republicans, specifically those in districts, President Biden won back in 2020. They're lining up behind this inquiry, stressing that this is just to uh, expand investigative powers and doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be impeaching President Biden. But look, Republicans have an extremely slim majority, one that was narrowed even more after the expulsion of George Santos. This is going to be a really interesting vote this week. Also, touch on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Yeah, this week we're going to see a procedural tactic, a procedural gambit called Queen of the Hill. Essentially what this is is that Speaker Johnson is going to bring uh, two bills to reform Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Essentially what it does is it allows the government to spy on foreigners abroad without a warrant, but in the process that picks up communications from Americans. So lawmakers in Congress are looking to reform this Section 702 of FISA, the House Judiciary Committee and the House Intelligence Committee. They both have separate pieces of legislation, separate ways to reform this part of FISA. Essentially, the main difference is, is that the Judiciary Committee wants a requirement that the government receives a warrant before it reviews information on those American communications that are swept up in this lawful this, this lawful intelligence process. Thanks, Michael. That's Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. It's 20 minutes past the hour. Here's Dom Civino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The Supreme Court has agreed to rule quickly on former President Donald Trump's claim he's immune from prosecution related to efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Trump is arguing former presidents can't face criminal charges for conduct related to their official responsibilities. In a filing, special counsel Jack Smith asked the high court to take up the case because it, quote, presents a fundamental question at the heart of our democracy. Number two. Capitol Police have arrested 51 protesters who entered a Senate office building yesterday to demand a permanent ceasefire in Israel's war on Hamas. But State Department spokesman Matthew Miller doubled down on the U.S.'s decision last week to block a U.N. resolution to stop the fighting. We've made clear that while we support humanitarian pauses, um, we think a ceasefire that would allow the leadership of Hamas that plotted and planned October 7th to continue to carry on in Gaza and plan future attacks is one that's unacceptable. The UN is preparing another ceasefire vote today. 
Number three. The UN's annual climate summit is on the verge of failure as deep divisions remain over whether to phase out fossil fuels. The conference is set to end today, but delegates are continuing talks after a draft of the summit's centerpiece agreement removed references to phasing out oil and gas. The U.S. and the EU are among those opposing the watered-down measure. Just ahead of Christmas, major cuts at a prominent toy maker. Hasbro says it's laying off 1,100 workers as it struggles with weak sales that have endured into the holiday season. It's the second round of job reductions at the Monopoly and My Little Pony maker, which has reduced its workforce by 30% this year. For the first time, two Monday night football games kicked off at the same time, and they were thrillers, with the lead changing hands in the final two minutes of both. In Miami, the Tennessee Titans rallied from a fourth-quarter deficit to stun the Dolphins 28-27. In New Jersey, Giants kicker Randy Bullock missed a kick early, but was money when it mattered. Snap is good. Kick on its way. End over end, and it is good! And the Giants have beaten the Packers! 24-22. Bob Papa with a call on the fan as Tommy DeVito and the Giants <laughs> keep their playoff hopes alive. You had to get that in there. We're all big Tommy fans now. Tommy Cutlets. <laughs> what a guy. Thanks, Tom. Since the Israel-Hamas war broke out, there's been a sharp rise in threats against American Jews who now question how public they should be about their faith. We get more from this morning's Gordon Deal. We're speaking with Claire Ansbury. She writes the Turning Points column for the Wall Street Journal. This piece is called American Jews Question How Public Should We Be About Our Faith? Explain what a lot of them are considering here since October 7 and the terror attacks, Claire. Right. I think that for a lot of people, there is a renewed sense. For a lot of American Jews, there's a renewed sense of, of pride and in their faith and a devotion and loyalty, and they want, they don't want to hide that, but at the same time, they're also very alert um, and aware of attacks that have happened around the country and anti-Semitism. And so the question becomes, how public do we want to be in identifying ourselves? You, you referenced it just there, but I'll, I'll ask, because it was mentioned in your story, I, I believe it was a rabbi who said to uh, one of his synagogue members, like, it's scary to have to hide your identity. Yeah, um, this this was actually a woman who, who is in, um, she's in Montreal. In Montreal, there have been a, a, several recent attacks, and she... She wanted to display a special a scroll with, with Torah verses on the outside of her apartment doorframe, as is tradition. But she says, you know, she gets food deliveries, package deliveries, and she didn't want to tip anybody off that she was Jewish. So she consulted her rabbi to say, is it okay if I place this on the inside of my doorway? And he said, yes, you know, this is, this is an extraordinary time. You know, he blessed the, the the scroll and said when you are comfortable and want to place it outside that's fine right now um if you're not then the inside is fine too well we're speaking with claire ansbury she writes the turning points column for the wall street journal her piece is called american jews question how public should we be about our faith um explain to this uh leah kaufman from new york city and what she's gone through with with her necklace right Sure. She were, uh, as you said, she's in New York City, so she rides the subway. She um, was wearing a Star of David necklace. 
she's in the fashion industry, so she likes to wear jewelry. And it was it's a beautiful necklace, and it was visible. So after October 7th, she was wearing her necklace. And when she got to work, a friend um, just said she was concerned about her safety. So she decided not to wear the necklace, but she has Star of David rings. But what she does is she turns the star inward so it's not visible from from the outside. It's just within her hand. And then when she gets to work, she turns it around. That's Claire Ansborough of the Wall Street Journal with this morning's Gordon Deal. It's coming up on 30 minutes past the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermal regulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. The news. First, Fast and free of noise. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. On this Tuesday, December 12th, Jennifer Kashinka in for Gordon Deal along with Dom Savino. Some of our top stories and headlines. The special counsel asked the Supreme Court to immediately decide if Donald Trump is immune from January 6th prosecution. Two children and two adults dead in a Las Vegas murder-suicide. Google loses antitrust case over the Android app store brought by Epic Games. A bronze top hat has disappeared from a larger-than-life sculpture of Abraham Lincoln in Kentucky. Santa comes early to Nashville. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24-7 customer service. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Well, if you're thinking about giving your loved one a cat or a dog this holiday season, think again. With pet surrenders near an all-time high and shelters nationwide overcrowded, gifting pets is not a great idea. We get more from Jackie Ducci, founder of the Animal Human Alliance, a nonprofit dedicated to keeping people People and animals together. Jackie, what's the status of many shelters around the country right now? Well, it's really awful, actually. The shelters are overcrowded um, all across the nation. Euthanasia rates are skyrocketing as well. So it's really at levels that we haven't seen in a very long time. And it's really terrible. Why is that? Several reasons. I mean, I think the most obvious of which is the country is in economic recession. Inflation is soaring. People are just struggling financially, um, and animals are not cheap. <laughs> you know, there were studies done recently showing that the average um, dog, the cost of an average dog per year is $4,500 for their needs, and then for a cat, it's 1150 a year. So I think a lot of people take on animals, and they don't really understand what they're committing to financially. Um, so that's a big thing. Also, emergency medical bills that can just come up that are 
things that we cannot predict. It happens to all of us that have animals at some time or another. So, you know, a lot of these people, it's really sad, but they love their animals. They're just in a position where they cannot cover those expenses right now. So if you're considering getting a cat or a dog, should you sit down and kind of list the pros and cons? I mean, I think that's part of it. I also think really giving thought to what the best fit is for your home. You know, um, if you are somebody that's just not home during the day, you work out of an office and you want a dog, you probably want a pretty low energy dog. Um, If you're a marathon runner, you probably want a high energy dog. (laughs) Like these things matter. Or maybe a cat is better than a dog in certain circumstances. So I think, you know, talking to the other people in your household and just getting real about what's going to work for your situation is going to help ensure the long-term fit of that, that match and that commitment. We're speaking with Jackie Ducci, founder of the Human Animal Alliance. If you're thinking about gifting a pet this holiday season, what are the concerns about that? I think it's a terrible idea in general. I mean, you know, I, I just always encourage people to be part of the solution, not the problem. Like the problem is that there are just too many animals being surrendered. So if that thought isn't being put in on the front end, and somebody's just receiving a pet that they didn't even choose, I just think they're way less likely to be committed. And this is why a lot of animals wind up, you know, back in the rescue system. So I would never recommend that unless it's something that, you know, has been discussed and, you know, you want to do it for a friend or something like that. Um, But there's been conversation beforehand um, and a real reason behind why you're doing it. Jackie, are there resources for people who need help with paying vet bills or help with pet food? There are. I mean, there are what we call safety net charities that exist around the country. Um, They tend to do a really good job kind of vetting people and giving support where it's truly needed to help animals stay in homes as opposed to being surrendered. So um, that is something that people can look into. There are food banks and things like that as well. Um, So there are resources. Uh, My organization has given a lot of money over the last two years to groups like that um, to help alleviate the burden on people. Um, So there's that for sure. There also seems to be some degree of impatience with uh, dogs that need to be trained or cats that have some kind of behavioral problem. A lot of Mm -hmm. animals end up back in the shelter because people just haven't given them time to get adjusted. That's true. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is, you know, pets were being adopted in droves in 2020 because that was during the pandemic. So everybody was home. But now that they're not home so much, you're seeing, you know, things like separation anxiety um, in the animals, behavior problems, things like that, that people weren't dealing with initially. So that is another reason animals are getting surrendered. So that's a big thing is, you know, if you're taking on an animal, you have to be willing to commit the time A lot of times with training, it's not even the expense, it's the time, because the trainer can tell you what to do, but then you have to follow up at home and teach the animal and be consistent, and some people just aren't, you know, willing or able to do that. That's Jackie Ducci, founder of the Animal Human Alliance. If you missed anything, check out a podcast of today's show, available anytime that you are able to hear this morning with Gordon Deal on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there someone in your office who's always pushing the goodies? There may be a reason for that. We get the story from this morning's Gordon Deal. We're speaking with Callum Borchers. He writes the On the Clock column for the Wall Street Journal. This piece is called Here's What the Office Sugar Pusher Really Wants. I love that title. Uh, Set the scene. What would you look at here? 
Well, I was looking at this phenomenon of people who bring food to the office. It could be the pastries before the meeting. It could be something as small as the little candy dish that many people keep on their desks. But I just thought, what's their real game? What are, what are they up to? This is sort of a silly suspicion, of course. Many of them are just very kind people who want to spread the love through tasty food. But <laughs> there's a little bit more to it in some cases. You know, food is a, is a bonding ritual for a lot of us, right? That can be a way that you, you get to know people. And, and it was really fun to sort of talk to people about, you know, what the motive is behind bringing food into the office. All right. Did you find different motivations? I did. I mean, some of it is simple as, hey, you know, I transferred to a new corporate office. I spoke with um, a woman who uh, did just that, and she set up a, a really nice chocolate dish on her, on her desk to encourage coworkers to swing by and stop to chat. And she said, hey, this has been a really nice way to get to new people in, in a new office. But I've also heard people say, you know, this is, this is a management strategy. Uh, I, I spoke with a, a longtime uh, news executive who has been bringing food into newsrooms for a couple of decades. And, uh, you know, the thought is sort Sort of like, you know, you can't get too angry with the boss who feeds you, right? So it's it's kind of one of those things that uh, is is sort of innocuous at its surface level, but sometimes it's more behind it. Listen, you worked in radio. You know that deal. When that free food comes in, you think, oh, my goodness, my life has just changed for the better. Exactly, exactly. And, and this news director told me that he did this on the advice of a, of a cameraman, you know, probably 25 years ago, who wow. said, look, you know, all you got to do to succeed as a leader is you take care of your employees <laughs> when it comes to overtime, vacation time and meal time. That's it. The three times and you will be set. Hey, look, it's, it's served him well for 20, 20 plus years. Wow. We're speaking with Callum Borchers. He writes the on the clock column at the Wall Street Journal. This piece is called Here's What the Office Sugar Pusher Really Wants. All right. So you said too, like the, the office snacks sometimes send a message like what? Well, one is do business with me, please. Uh, I've really enjoyed speaking with a fellow named Gene Belly. He's a consultant. And for years, he's been sending custom M&Ms with his face printed on them <laughs> to clients and prospective <laughs> clients to, to stay top of mind. You can't forget Gene when he's in your candy dish, I guess. And, uh, you know, he gets kind of a kick out of it and clients do, too. And it's sort of a lighthearted thing. But he said, you know, in all seriousness, I've gone around. Sometimes I'll be you know visiting with uh, with a client, with the CEO of our company. And because I've been doing this for, for years, people know me by it and and we'll get comments from the people we're visiting oh hey thanks for the m&ms we we love the m&ms and he's like i'm looking good in front of the boss you know they're telling this to the head of our company so uh you know it's a strategy that's, that's paying off did you, uh, did you get a sense of like what snacks or sweets are best well, I think that the overwhelming consensus is that it is something sort of uh, indulgent, right? Because, you know, the, the way to a person's heart is through something really delicious. So, I mean, I, I did, of course, call up Weight Watchers and say, hey, what do we do in this scenario? Because this time of year, you know, the temptations that are so, you know, calorie dense feel endless. Every every potluck, every office get together you go to has, has all these, uh, you know, fattening temptations. And of course, uh, you know, the advice I got was, well, you, you should be the one then you'll know, bring the fruit bowl bring the crudite you know you can be the one who who brings the uh you know the alternative uh to make sure that there at least is a healthy option on the table and i thought listen that's great advice but how many friends are you going to make with your platter of celery the uh the the, the new jersey uh, prosecutor Lori linsky uh kind of yeah. laid on in your story what did she do 
Well, I thought Lori was such kind of a heartwarming example, actually, because, you know, first of all, she had a bit of a sense of humor, not necessarily what you expect uh, out of a prosecutor. And she's got a tough side. Of course, she has to to do that job. But she said, because of that, I wanted to, you know, project some warmth. So whenever people would come to my office, I always had a candy dish, either with chocolates or mints. And I was just trying to set a little bit of a lighter tone. I don't want people to feel intimidated when they come in to talk to the county prosecutor. That's Callum Borshers of the Wall Street Journal with this morning's Gordon Deal. Dell's holiday event is one of their biggest sales of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top-brand accessories. The perfect time to upgrade any home, business, or gaming setup powered by Intel Core processors. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping on everything. That's dell.com deals. Jennifer Kashinka in for Gordon Deal. It's nine minutes before the hour. Here's Dom Sabino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Lawyers representing Alexei Navalny say they've lost contact with the jailed Russian opposition leader and don't know where he is. They last heard from Navalny one week ago. Since then, officials at a maximum security prison east of Moscow have told Navalny's team he's no longer jailed there, but won't say where he's been transferred. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. He should be released immediately. Uh, He should never have been jailed in the first place. Um, And uh, we're going to work with our with our embassy in Moscow to see how much more we can find out. Navalny is serving a 19 year sentence on charges of extremism. Number two. A Minnesota man is celebrating his freedom after his two-decade-old murder conviction was overturned yesterday. In 2005, Marvin Haynes was 17 years old when he was sentenced to life in prison in the fatal shooting of a Minneapolis flower shop clerk. Now a 36-year-old Haynes is grateful for his innocence. If it wasn't for my sister and an innocent project, I wouldn't be here. Like, it took my sister. She, my, my sister lost so much trying to fight for me to get innocence. Like, she neglected herself in the process of me getting my life back. So, I mean, I, I could, words cannot describe what she means to me and my, and my family. Haynes was convicted without physical evidence tying him to the murder. Number three. It's being called a landmark decision that threatens the entire $200 billion app store industry. A federal jury in San Francisco unanimously decided yesterday Google's Apple Android App Store has been protected by anti-competitive barriers that have been, that have damaged smartphone users and software developers. The case was brought by Fortnite video game maker Epic Games. Authorities around the country are issuing a warning about the gift card scam called card draining as many holiday uh, holiday shoppers look to buy gift cards as gifts. The scheme involves tampering with the barcode and stealing the money loaded on it. Officials are warning consumers to look for any signs of tampering on the cards, like scuffs or scratches. Police in Louisville, Kentucky are asking for help in locating Abraham Lincoln's top hat. They say somebody pried the large bronze top hat from a sculpture of the 16th president that stands in a park along the Ohio River. The hat had rested on, and until recently been securely bolted to, a rock beside Lincoln, who was born in rural Kentucky. Louisville police are asking for those with info to call their tip line. That sounds like a very, very industrious undertaking. A very how, strong how person. How in the world could you do that? <laughs> Take off a hat. Lots of planning, I would imagine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thanks, Dom.
When country music star Brad Paisley and his wife, actress Kimberly Williams Paisley, helped create a free grocery store in Nashville, their goal was to give families in need the ability to choose their own food in a place that felt like a normal store. This year, the store is offering that same dignity of choice to parents looking for gifts for the holiday season. During a two-day event, 400 families can shop at a free toy store stocked with new toys, video games, stuffed animals, scooters, clothes, makeup, and musical instruments. The celebrity couple brought the idea of a free grocery store to Nashville after seeing the concept years ago at the Unity Shop in Santa Barbara, California. When the store launched in early 2020, it was just weeks after a tornado hit the city and before the global pandemic made food access an immediate problem. The store and its staff adapted, turning into a food delivery service for older people and delivering a million meals in the first year of operation. In addition to the free groceries, Belmont University, where Paisley graduated, now offers additional services to low-income families, including financial literacy events, music therapy, and medicine management. That'll do it for this hour. For Dom Savino and Dave Duncan, I'm Jennifer Kishenka. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.